McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bobby fans, and welcome to PO4 Cards episode 87. Three wins in a row for the Blues as Pompey are back with a bang. Joining me on the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hi, you're not too bad. Thank you, mate. Yeah, how are you doing? Mate, I am good. Let's be honest. Pompey are back. We're scoring goals. We look like a completely different team to before. Who would have thought it? Two strikers up front. Uh, Marcus getting a bit of support and Pompey are on a roll. Let's get into this, mate, because we haven't got too much time to to mess around today. Okay, so first of all, we are going to <laughs> review the Sunderland game. Following on from that, we're going to talk about the amazing free scoring victory against Northampton. And then carrying on from that, we've got an interview with Pompey defender Harry Kavner. Um, it's an absolute beauty, so stay tuned to listen to that one. And finally, we're going to preview the game against probably the best team we've faced so far this season, Charlton. Right, Andy, let's fly into this, mate. So Pompey plays Sunderland. It's one of those games that I think a lot of fans would have tuned into, um, shown an interest in. We all know there's a bit of banter, a bit of rivalry between the two teams. I was a bit worried before we started the game. I actually genuinely thought Sunderland would win 2-1. That's been blown away and Pompey come out 3-1 winners. What were your thoughts initially from that win? Yeah, I think uh, there were a couple of big tactical things that made a difference. Obviously, the change to 4-4-2 has, has worked extremely well with uh, Harness and Marquis up top supporting each other. Harness has just eased into that role that we didn't really know that he would you know, be so uh, proficient in. Um, we kind of beat Sunderland at their own game. I was reading an interesting article from uh, whatever the Sunderland equivalent of Portsmouth News is. It's the Echo, isn't it? Yeah, not a clue. I, yeah. I blanked it out already. Um, but they were talking about how the high press is what Sunderland had been doing all season. And Pompey did sort of did it to, the, did it to Sunderland. They sort of executed it even better. So Sunderland were playing three at the back with a couple of wing backs who were trying to get forward. And as soon as those wing backs went forward, um, the, the Pompey's wingers were able to get into that space and exploit that space made by the wing backs. And because we were keeping two up top, um, those two supported by one of the wingers meant that on the break, we had a three on three a lot of the time. And all it takes is one of the attacking players to draw a man and suddenly you've got a man over, which is what we saw for uh, for two of the goals out of the three. Um, so it just ended up with our, our, our attacking players overrunning them, just running with the ball at the defence. And that was because we were playing quick ball. So um, it would be really interesting for me. Like Our, our pass accuracy was, was 62% of the game, which obviously in the big picture isn't great if you just look at it as a stat. 
But what I'd be really interested in seeing was the amount of sort of the average time on the ball before releasing it for each player. Obviously, we don't have those stats for League One, but the pace of the game seemed quicker. It was sort of get the ball, get rid, sort of take advantage of that space before Sunderland could fill the gaps. Um, but then defensively as well, we looked a lot more composed. So was it the MK Dons game the last 20? We just sort of did that in theory, three, four, three ish that turned into like a five, three, two and us being hemmed in, in our own 30 yard sort of defensive um, part of the, the pitch. But four, four, two seems to work a lot more defensively with having those two banks of four and allowing to keep like Sunderland basically in arm's length, um, which we weren't able to do with MK Dons where they were just over us for that last 20 minutes. Um, yeah, that's probably my, my quick take. Um, I thought there weren't really any weak links in the team. Um, probably fortunate on a couple of occasions. I think um, Marquis has disallowed goal. Raggett was quite fortunate not to give away a free kick, sort of in a, the most dangerous position. Um, had a couple of moments. But, I mean, as a, it was a good team performance, to be honest with you. And we just kept Sunderland penned in. And that, that high press on their, on their back three was so effective and forced them into mistakes that led to goals. Yeah, and we've seen that high press be effective against Sunderland in the past as well. When they came down to Fratton Park and we got that 2-0 win, um, we really came at Sunderland when both teams were in really good form. Pompey came out and imposed themselves on Sunderland. They pressed them high. They won the ball back quickly. And that's exactly what we did again at the weekend against against Sunderland. So really impressed with it. And I think the way we moved the ball, the quickness he moved the ball... They were really scared. You could see Luke O'Neill was completely out out of place playing at the back, and as a, you know, not a actual defender in that sense, a central defender anyway. He's better as a right wing back. Again, he gave away the penalty, which you know ended up them going down to ten men, which sort of killed the game off at the end, which was, which was pretty good to see. But yeah, you know, does not give Sunderland any any credit for that really, because Pompey were, were absolutely excellent. Marcus was good up front. He looks like he's got someone now with with Marcus Harness who can receive the ball to feet. As well, which is one of the things we'll talk about because getting the ball to feet is that is one of the big changes we've got now. Short passing, ball to feet, both of them on the turn, beating one player, looking up, and they know where the other player is already. They seem to have that synergy going forward where they know where each other are. Question for you then, Hugh. Yeah. Harrison's back, or when when Harrison's back, what do you do? Do you keep it as it is? Do you don't change a winning formula? Or do you think, well, Harrison didn't do anything to be dropped? So what what's your gaffer decision there at the moment my gaffer decision is to keep harness and marquis up up top together um they look so dynamic at the moment you really can't be breaking up the, the most dynamic so uh partnership in football i reckon we'll say that but we got cup games coming up we've got games in the checker trade or what's this now called the papa john's trophy i think we bloody started yeah. so so let's use that as an experiment to play different players and see you know how it how they work in this new system but in the league, don't break them up up top. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. I don't think many people would disagree with that. It'd be madness to find a winning formula that's, you know, led us to play attractive, pretty fast flowing football on the ground and then go back to, uh, yeah, target man football. Hopefully. And I'll be honest, yeah, I've been pretty excited to talk about things on the podcast because this is such a positive result. And, as Pompey fans, we've been subjected potentially to some really not pretty football to watch. But let's be honest, this new formation, not only effective getting us goals, but it is actually a right pleasure to watch, mate, and really enjoyable. And we'll go on now in a minute just to talk about this Northampton game. But just to finish off on Sunderland, 
it's great to really, really enjoy watching Pompey again. Yeah, it was it was a weird one because you we went into the game thinking that Sunderland were this, you know, I mean they were one of the only undefeated teams in the EFL yeah. before this game. Only conceded one goal. Yeah, exactly. But then the first twenty minutes, it looked like Pompey could just cut them apart at the back. I don't know if it was just a high press or if Sunderland had an off day or what, but it was as bad as I can remember seeing Sunderland being with us playing them. But then, you know, credit where it's due, Pompey forced them into it. I'm not going to just say that we beat them because Sunderland didn't show up. Pompey have forced them into that. So yeah, definitely credit where it's due. But yeah, it's nice to uh, watch some attractive football. It's what we've been calling out for. I mean, I've still got a few about some things behind the scenes. Um, as you know, my rant from a few pods ago to do with Gary Roberts' comments, I stand by all of that. Mm-hmm. But the actual football on the pitch... You know, that's that's the number one thing at the moment. And it looks like that's starting to turn around. Um, but, you know, big couple of games ahead now. Also great to see John Marquis refer to the Sunderland fans as Geordies. That's definitely going to go down well. Did you see that? No, he didn't. Say again. Yeah, he, he called them Geordies. He said he, he, I think he said he would have enjoyed it more if there'd been some Geordies in the crowd or something. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that goes down well with Mackens. So that's even more shithouse three that I do like to see. Love that. I'm definitely on board. Right, let's fly into this Northampton game, mate. Um, a team that aren't as highly thought of as Sunderland, let's be honest, newly promoted. They lost Goud, I think it is, at the back, their defender, who who is really solid, uh, getting them promoted out of League Two. It's been a bit of a struggle for them so far this season, but you know what? We thought, right, big wins. We beat Gillingham. We beat Sunderland. It would be quite Pompey to just slip up against a team near the bottom of the table, but it wasn't to be. And Pompey really came out at, at Northampton and got that first goal. Andy, how important was it that we came out at Northampton and took the lead? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, it was a game with actually quite small margins to start with. Um, it was important that we got the first goal. I mean, one of the things that I, I think we do need to mention is Ryan Williams recently. Um, I always big up his, I always big up his work output and his sort of technical fitness. Um, but he'd be the first to admit, and he has admitted that assists and goals haven't the stats haven't been there at the moment at a level they should be but I mean that foot, our first goal in that game was him cutting inside and taking a shot on his left foot that the keeper does well with but the rebound goes in from Marquis um, throughout the game he was yeah, up and down the wing looking like a genuinely big threat um, so that's good to see um, yeah it was it was a bit of an odd game in that like the first half was a little bit nervy Um Friend, and just to one stop of, you on the on the on the Ryan Williams comment because yeah. I've been first uh, out here to criticise him for his you know saying it's almost a wasteful it's wasteful putting him in the first team if, you, if you've got an attacking winger who can't score goals can't get shots on target and and can't get assists but I know he's not necessarily got the goals yet but that shot was was quality that that forced the keeper to, to parry it out wasn't it mm. uh, and I thought some of his crossing in the game as well was, was much improved so yeah just, we just want to say credit where credit's due there to Ryan Williams. Absolutely, I think so. Yeah, it's like his work ethic has never been in doubt. But if we could, we can have that com- uh, that combination of work ethic plus end result, then that's obviously sort of the dream combination. Um, I thought Naylor was better in this game as well. Had a slightly sloppy game again. We're picking up on fairly small things here because the Sunderland win was so good. But he had a slightly sloppy game against Sunderland. But I thought bounced back really well in the Northampton game. When we looked slightly vulnerable on the counter, he was working so hard to track back and support um, Raggett and Watmore centre back. Um, so if one, yeah, if Raggett or Watmore got pulled out of position, Naylor was in there 
as far as I could tell, literally every time covering in that centre second uh, second centre back position. Northampton weren't brilliant; had a couple of really good chances. Um, but yeah, I mean, four four two is working. Marquis has scored five and three. Um, Curtis obviously with a standard Curtis finish, which we've come to expect, but I don't think you should take away from how, how difficult that technique is. I certainly can't bloody do it where you cut in from the left okay. and then sort of just pl- place it in the far corner like you do on um, the Be A Pro on FIFA or right? the warm-up, mm. the loading screens on the old FIFA games. Um, yeah, it's, it's much, much easier said than um, And yeah, I guess defensively as well, um, Craig Gillivray made one outstanding save from a free kick and he's just been there when called upon. And obviously, we scored seven in two games, so very easy to focus on the attacking side of things. But he's been 100% dependable since going back into the team. Um, and I think that deserves to be picked up on as well. Um, yeah, so our prediction, when we were at the start of October, we said it was a big month and we were still playing 4-2-3-1 at that point. And there were well, there are 21 points on, on offer in October. I can't remember what yours and Jonty's predictions were. I said 10 points out of 21. Uh, and we are on 15 with one game left uh, for for the month. So I think you went maybe one more than me. Mm-hmm. I think you went for 11. I think we were like 10, 11, 12 or something along those yeah. lines. Um, so it just shows that, yeah, that formation change has led to far better results than we were expecting. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting anything from the Sunderland game. So, yeah. No, neither was I. Unless, positives. I think I might have actually put a draw in there just to be cheeky. But I think the thing is, when it came down to it, Andy, you know, I was really concerned. And this team is a different team now. It, they they look like a completely different team. I do want to also talk, talk about Andy Cannon quickly in the centre midfield position because Tom Naylor has had centre midfield partners, you know, Brim Morris, sort of a bit more pedestrian beside him, etc. We've, we've talked about it, so I'm not going to dive back into that. But Andy Cannon himself... He looks much more dynamic. He's a box-to-box player. He's he's getting forward and he's winning the ball back higher up the pitch, which is providing more support and allowing us to sort of get the ball into the feet of John Marquis, Marcus Harness. And I think that without... It just makes the team more dynamic, doesn't it? Having that midfielder in the centre is not just stuck to Tom Naylor's hip. Yeah, 100%. I've always been an advocate of Cannon. I've seen him have a couple of really good 90 minutes um, in sort of, yeah... Uh, away games where um, where maybe there have been fewer fans there to see it in person before COVID and he's looked really really good he's had some amazing performances so I've always been an advocate but he was one of I'd say one of our three best players against Sunderland um, literally got assaulted at one point um, pulled down with two hands through the back of the neck which yeah, that looked probably brutal. one of the most cynical yellow cards I've ever seen was that O'Neill first yellow card I think yeah, yeah. I think it was on the right was. It was on our attacking right side of the pitch. Northampton like, are known for that as well. They are known for being a real... Even in League 2, people thought they were really physical. Like genuinely, if something would be an illegal tackle in rugby, then for me, that's more than a yellow card in football. That's, that's, I think that's a fair rule of thumb. Um, but yeah, literally took him down by the neck from behind. It was, yeah, deserves credit for getting up from that alone. But yeah, he's looked really dynamic. And again, his, the sort of the engine he's got on him really helps with that quick style of play that they're trying to implement, which is what we've been calling out for so much. I feel like for people, so long. I feel like someone's like listened to the podcast, Andy, and there's not total credit for it, but little snippets of it in that in that sense, and just turned out and gone. Do you know what? I'll give that a go, mate. You know, nothing's going, nothing else going right for me. Let's give that do, a go. And it's. Do working. you remember when um when Paul Cook he was like I can't remember what what the exact situation was, 
Um, and we, like, the entire fan base was clamoring out for a formation. And he played it for 90 minutes. And we lost like 2-1 at home. And his after-match interview was literally like, fucking told you so. <laughs> you know, the fans wanted it. I did it. It was shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Excuse my language. But um, is, no, that was basically case, what he said. Mate. No, it's looking, <laughs> we're looking good now. I mean, I don't even know how many times I can say we're looking good, but that is how excited I am to be on it. And mate, it's always much more of a pleasure talking to you about football when we're winning, isn't it? And when yeah. we're meeting expectations and scoring goals and... Yeah, the, the, the Northampton mate. result as well. What I liked about it is we went in to kill the game off. We didn't sit back. We knew we had their number. They changed the formation up a little bit. They went 4-4-2 in the second half, which gave more space for us to attack. And Pompey went for it. You know, we went out, we killed them off. Um, I mean, we looked at division different in, in class for, from them. And obviously they're just newly promoted, but it, it was that good a performance from Pompey all rounds. And you could see how much it meant to the players and the celebrations, you know, after the goals. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I think if you compare it to some of the games earlier in the season when we've gone one up, if you compare it to how we reacted one up in the MK Dons game, it's like night and day or winter and summer, depending on how you look at it. Um, completely different attitude. And as you say, went to try and kill the game off. Um, and I mean, you look at, I know that last season was a bit different, but look how close that the final table was in terms of like playoffs or missing out on playoffs. Gold, there's such a good chance that goal difference is going to be a deciding factor at the end of the season. And yeah, if you're 2 0 up, going ahead and winning like even three games over the course of a season that you're 2 0 up in, go and winning those games 3 0 or 4 0 instead of just going defensively and winning 2 0, it could be huge come the end of the season. I think if we if we can get the four points from the, the Charlton and the Lincoln games, which are huge, then we start, you know, changing our attitudes towards the season. But it is a, it's a very long, long slog. But uh, yeah, the next week will tell us a lot, I think. And if we play like this, mate, the Blues are going up. Pump it up. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> Freddie Freddy Webb. Like yep, Freddie Freddy Webb, Web. get it in there. This is ringtone, in case anyone's wondering what the joke is. A bit of an inside joke, but uh, yeah. I literally message once a week, message him saying, up, the Blues are going up because it just yeah. makes him angry. Yeah. At him, at him on, uh, at him on Twitter, people. Tell him that, uh, yeah, the port is it Portsmouth or Pompey? The Blues are going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I will leave that. We leave that bit there. But um, yeah, all right. Then now we have a chat with Pompey Academy captain Harry Kavner, who talks to us about being not just a Pompey Academy player, but also a Pompey fan. Um, and how, you know how he really feels about the Blues. And uh, yeah, let's do you know what. I won't waffle. Let's get into it. Um, here's our interview now with Harry Kavner. All right, I'm here now with Pompey defender Harry Kavner, and thank you so much for joining the pod, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, lads. No, pleasure's all ours, dude. Right, this is Get Cracking, so now you're a busy guy. Um, can you talk us through how you got into football, how you ended up at Pompey, and how you made yeah. your way through the system? Um, for me, it's probably quite similar to sort of everyone else coming through obviously starting football I started when I was five for a team called Denmead literally um, two minutes from where I lived I was never really into football growing up my mum and dad used to say that they'd, they'd think I'd probably become like a ballet dancer or something like that I was a bit, a bit one of them sort of boys younger and then um, I don't know I think my brother had a tournament he's two years older than me and um, he was seven at the time I think I was five and they needed a goalie and I was the only sort of person there. So they just chucked me in sticks. That's sort of my first, like remember a first out in football. 
and then I sort of just played here and there, then joined Denmead under sixes. And then I, I, I don't know, I don't really remember what happened. I sort of played really well when I was younger and I remember being asked to um, go and play or train with Pompey in the development when I was six. That was at the start and that's sort of training two nights a week. And they sort of monitor you and I've just done that for two years. And then at the end of that, I remember just being offered um, a six-week trial to train the academy because I remember other lads that had done the development, they they all got offered a year at under nines, you know, you're part of the academy, but I don't know, they're probably not not quite as sure for me. And I got offered a six-week trial, done really well. And then, yeah, got a year at under nines and been, been here ever since, sort of. Probably till, I'd say, till about under under 13, I'd say. Every year, I like literally scraped it, scraped it at the end of each year. It was literally probably daylight robbery on some occasions. I just thought, my, my dad used to say to me, look, if we go, like, because you used to have PDRs, regular six-week meetings of how you're doing. And for me, it was, it was, it was, they used to just keep me because I had a good attitude, I think. I used to turn up to every session. I was the first one there. My dad always used to get me there. I was there way, probably too early sometimes. First one at the session, you know, polite, asked questions, wanted to learn, but I was probably the worst footballer. Is that the sort was, of attitude, mate, that you would give out to younger listeners listening to the podcast? As yeah, million percent, hundred percent, mate. I think that's the most important thing because I've played with players who... A lot. obviously I've done nothing yet but there's boys that have been let go who are much like they're much more talented than me they've got much more ability but up upstairs it's just not not there with them they're just not got the, the sort of work rate or the desire and I think that's I've just got that I think comes from my parents just normal working nine to five parents but they graft hard and I think that's just sort of in my family and that's all I did really I just worked hard and to about under 13s I think going into each end meeting at the end of the season where it's called, they call it retain or release. I think my dad used to just sort of prepare me and say, look, as long as you know, you've gave it everything at the end, it doesn't matter. We're proud of you, whatever. And I just sort of kept bagging these contracts. I don't know. I'd sort of come out and think, fucking hell, I've won the lottery here. But buzzing, yeah. And then I think from then on, I sort of under 13s, 14s, um, we had a coach called Scott Green, who's actually the assistant at Gosport now. And he sort of, he, I, I, a lot of credit to him because he sort of just transformed me. Like it was pretty mad. Just my, just my understanding of football, really. And from then on, just sort of kicked on. And it sort of got better and better as the years sort of went on. And when I got to under 15, 16s, then I was playing with the under 18s and I was sort of doing really well. And it's just sort of stemmed from there. So it's been brilliant, really. So was it uh, sort of that under 13s, under 14s you got to where you decided to that you could actually you know, commit to this and try and do it as a full-time thing in the long term rather than just yeah, sort of doing um, it on the side like everyone else does? Or Yeah, it's, it's different because even at, like when you're coming at under nines, you're training three days, three nights a week. Like it's it's from the from the get-go, from any eight or nine-year-old, like it's, it is hard work, and especially for parents as well because it's a lot of travelling. So... I've sort of had, I've sort of had that engraved in me, but not even that. I, I just always done it growing up because I loved it, and it was never because I, like you say, from nine to thirteen, it was never that I was that 
good at it because there's players that, even when I, when I went to school and I had players playing Sunday league, they were just as good as me. But there was just something different. I, I don't know. I just I wanted I wanted to be a footballer, but badly. And I used to work hard, harder than everyone else. And I just thought if they're better than me at I don't know shooting or receiving the ball, passing the ball, I've, I've got to be better at something else. And I just always found that I can run harder than someone or work harder then that's what I'll be the best at and it's it's stead me in put me in good stead and then when I got to under 13s 14s I started working with Scott and he really liked me really had my back and um then he started working with me more technically and tactically because I had the I've, it's, that's my mentality in any anyway like not just at football I'd be working I'd go up part with my brothers and I'd, right, I need to get better at my first touch or so I just had that engraved in me and yeah, I just sort of went from there. But I'd say, I'll, I'll, I'll only say when I really thought, I probably not till the end of my first year, because even at the start, I got my scholarship and I had a really bad spell from the start of my scholar till about Christmas time where I was debating whether it was all for me still because I just couldn't struggle. I, I couldn't get to grips with the full-time football. I just couldn't, it didn't work for me and other lads it just worked really easy for him. It didn't really work for me. And then it got to the point where I was miserable at home. My mum and dad were worried about me. And I sat, I was always arguing with the coach and staff. It was like one great experience. So it got to the point where I sat down, my mum and dad, and they was like, look, what's going on here? And then I had a Daishi, who's obviously the 80s manager now, me and him, probably didn't see eye to eye at the start. And, um, we used to argue all the time and then I remember one Monday morning we played on a Saturday and he dragged me at half time and we had a bit of an argument and we just literally sat for about two hours I missed the whole of training and he just sat me down and I think that's when it switched like my head had flipped I thought I can do this like I'm good enough but there's certain things like in my life that are just not right and um, but yeah if it wasn't for that conversation I don't know I think it'd probably be a different situation but since then I think it's just I've been a different person really on and off the pitch and that's when at that probably that morning I realised I thought yeah I can I can have a career in this but it's a lot harder than everyone thinks like it's people think it's hard but it's it's hard it's hard for me it's hard off the pitch that's, that's the, the, probably the, the things that go on beyond the scenes the the sort of highs and lows like I've I haven't been for anything to compare to what you see some of the pros go through but I think it's the mental side that could kill kill someone like kill a career and how do you deal with that off the pitch mate how do you actually you know what did you do to change it you know is it I mean I, this is a different thing for me but I, I end up did, like taking up sort of like meditation and stuff to try yeah, and yeah. stuff and mindfulness and what is it that worked for you mate is just making changes to lifestyle or yeah mine was like because the stage I was going through where it was, it was everything was half-hearted with me so I'd sort of sack the training off I'd sack like, gym work I'd sack it all off my diet was poor and from then I just thought right that's it now if I'm going to do it I'm going to give it everything so my just my lifestyle the way I ate the way I looked after myself off the pitch what I was doing in the gym just all them sort of things, just the way, just more professional sort of attitude. And I'm, I'm a sort of all or nothing person. So I can't be in between. I can't find the balance where some people it works for and it works for them really well. But for me, it has to be all or nothing. And I just had 
had to give it everything really and that's what I'm at now like I'm, that's where my mindset is now still like, I've, done, I've done nothing yet I've not even made a match day squad yet but I still have that like burning desire in me like playing for this club like I've been a season ticket holder since I can remember so there's nothing else I want more so why, why, why give up now just keep going and keep working you like you talked about playing football coming through school years and stuff. One yes, thing mate. we've we've asked most people about who've come on the pod is like balancing that football with school stuff. Yeah, and like how do you go about doing that? And yeah, like did you find it quite easy to balance, or did you just go, I hate school, I want to play football, or did you go like, no, I need to have sort of a plan B here? Um, I don't know because obviously, like I said, I've been at the club, like I've been in the system of football since the start so I've never really known any difference so where some boys will come in under 14s and it's a it's a bit of a sudden shock to them whereas when you're in that routine it's, it becomes quite natural but for me I, I, I was good at school I liked certain subjects um, my mum and dad were quite on, on to me like not not necessarily being like clever or smart but like say working hard not being messing around I, f- I found it quite easy to be fair I, I had good people around me my, my girlfriend she's I've been with her for six years now she was in most of my classes so if ever I got to a point where I started you know messing around or anything like I just get a stern look from her and I just knew she'd tell my mum and dad or something like that so I'd get bollocking when I get home but no I, I was I found it quite easy mate to be fair it worked quite well for me it was good no, that's cool, mate. I don't know if you know this, um, Harry, but me and you actually have someone that I know in common, generally, Go from on. your school years, mate. So uh, we're, we're already pals, mate. So he said, Clara, could he record something and shout it out to you? So I'm just going to play it to you, mate. Yeah, yeah? go for and it. Sit and see what he's saying. One second. It's yeah? just going to be, this ain't going to, you're not going to stitch me up here, are you? No, no, I'll, I'll change you for one. There we go. Here we are, look. Yeah, you put it in. Go Hi, Harry. Hope you're well. Um, it's Mr. Sanderson here. Just oh. as I um, as I know Hugh, and Hugh let me know that you were on the, uh, the podcast today. I thought I'd just drop you a little message just to say, well done with everything you've done so far. Um, you've definitely made myself proud. I'm sure you've made uh, the rest of your family and friends proud as well. So uh, keep doing exactly what you're doing. I'm sure you're going to get really, really far. So uh, yeah, really well done, mate. Only thing, you promised me a... Uh, you promised me a signed shirt that I'm still waiting for. So uh, whenever you're ready to send that over, that'll be fab as well. But yeah, really proud of you, Harry. Keep working hard and I'm sure you're going to do well. Well done, mate. Oh, that's, that's class, that. Yeah, mate. That's amazing. Yeah. You have to have to tell him though, you'd have to wait for that shirt because I haven't even got one of my own yet. So <laughs> There you go. I can tell him to stop mailing me then, I yeah? Need a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> tell him I need a shirt first. Tell him to phone up the gaffer or something like that. Till I get a shirt, then I can give him one. But we'll put a word in. I'm gonna I'm gonna message Mark Catlin now and say it's a disgrace. I'm gonna email him. <laughs> get on top of it. How, how do you know Sanderson? Basically, um, uh, my colleague, my boss at work. Yeah, it's his son. So we work together. Oh, no so way. I've known him from that. Yeah, yeah. Where's it? So where's that? So I work in Wimbledon now, mate, in London. So it's a proper yeah, distant yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. Um, so if you know his dad, you know Rich. I met. I met his dad once. We had yeah, a school yeah. game. And he come watched. That's the one. He was telling me that was the, that was the biggest game of your life, mate. Honestly, mate, you couldn't even imagine what it was what like. Is- 
didn't do it. He said you caused some kind of carnage madness, you lads on the bus or something. Oh, Skinny, was... Someone pinched some chickens or something madness. Oh, it's hectic. It was mental. Because it was like our school team, we were quite bang average. And we never really had a good like manager. And Sanson come in in my last year. And he was like, look, I want to do it. Like, let's have a, like, a go at the Hampshire Cup. So we managed, we got ourselves to the quarters and we were playing against the school he went to. Yeah, this is what you so said. It meant everything to him, didn't it? Ah, oh, so, and literally, I remember we've 4 nil up, got back to 4 4. Last minute, we give away a penalty. Goalie saves it. We hit him on the counter and win 5 4 last minute. Ah, oh, mental, absolute carnage. Yeah, and then, then we went and honestly it was mental and then we went and lost 10-0 in the semis or something ridiculous like that <laughs> yeah yeah he, he still talks about it now like I think that's his best achievement mate a game against uh, what did he say um, Salishan Salishan how do you yeah. pronounce it mate how do you pronounce him anyway mate, I wouldn't yeah. have a clue mate just gonna just thought I'd shout that out to you, mate. But he sends, nah, all, he sends all his best, mate. Um, and I know that when he uh, when you got your contact contract actually extended, he, he sent me a message saying how happy he was. So um, anyway, mate, yeah, I'm no, gonna ask I'll you. Give, I'll have to give him a message. Yeah, do, mate. You make his day. But yeah, so um, just moving on. I said, um, how have you found captaining the Pompey Academy before, mate? Because everyone's got their own style of um, leading. So how do you motivate the team? Is it is it that work rate you you were talking about before and just that leading by example? Yeah, like you say, ever since I'd say probably like under thirteens, I was I was always captain like each age group. I was always I've always been quite like a popular, like a big presence in the changing room. Um, but like you say, um, I don't know. You get certain types of captains where you you get captains who are loud characters, and then you get some who are silent. But they just because they lead by example, people want to like sort of follow that. I, I don't know. I'd say I was quite a bit of both because, like you say, I work hard on and off the pitch. So I like to set by example like that, but I'm quite a, a loud character, um, big character. I don't know. Some people would probably say sometimes I'm moaning a bit too much, but that's just that's just me. Like I don't, there's no harm intended with that. But that's just like Andy. <laughs> that's a cheap shot. That's such a cheap shot, mate. That's, that's why he's going to get the sack. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, I'm sat with my mic on mute using my work <laughs> Zoom account. Taking cheap shots. Oh, <laughs> um, disgraceful. No, yeah, I'd say just a bit of both, really. Like, I've, I've always, I've, I'm quite a natural leader. I quite enjoy sort of being that sort of character in the changing room. And yeah, I, I, I love being that. I've, I've, I think since the probably last six months, since I've gone out into senior football, probably that side of me hasn't really come out as much because I'm sort of more of a smaller fish in like a bigger pond where I'm going to them to try and be be one of them but uh, no I, I'd, I'd definitely say yeah like I'm I'm a natural leader like definitely something that I think I've got going for me that kind of links in with like with our next question so yeah as you say you've made that step up to senior football now you've done a couple of loans so Bogner and now at Gosport like yeah. how's that how's that step up gone like how do you feel senior football compares to youth football and also how do you feel you progress playing week in week out at what is technically like a lower standard than Pompey compared to if you're just sort of training at a bigger club yeah, like yeah, week yeah. in week out which is better for your development do you think playing games 100% million percent like I've so, we sort of had the, the decision we did and we didn't but like during sort of the pre-season, we'd never, we didn't know us boys, our sort of 
23s boys what we'd be doing when we'd be going out and originally we were me and Alf Alfie we were we were going to stay in which for, it's good because you, you want to be around the boys and then around the squad but I'd done six months at Bognor obviously as a scholar so I've gone into men's football to not play in it was going to be a bit of a shock to the system but I just think for anyone even as a scholar like I say to the 18s boys now like just go and play men's football like go and just jump like I, I sort of I was what I was 17 when I went to play for Bognor and like it was the best thing I've done really like it completely changed me they've got like, a good you, setup down there haven't they like yeah, I, mean, I, I spoke got, to Bobby Blake decent. a few times down there you know Squancy Alf down there and stuff and um, yeah yeah no, before. decent down there I, I liked it he got cut quite short because of COVID, but I still played, I think, what, 11 games? 11 games down there, I think I played, and I think eight or like seven or eight, I was still a 17 year old. Um, but it's a, it's a shock to the system. Like, my first, my debut game was against Worthing, which is obviously their derby. Yeah, they hate them, don't they? Oh, it's absolutely crazy. They Remember sing to about them, don't they? They're singing about them. We hate 2000 there, uh, flares. Yeah, as hectic as anything. I just turned up, so I'm gone. Played Yeovil, Yeovil away the week before with thirty parents watching. This is completely different, but yeah, like playing it, it completely changed me. And then obviously going to Gosport, I'm really loving it. Yeah, Gosport's brilliant. Like people, people sort of chuck disrespect on the standard, which is it's weird until you've actually sort of watched it or even played it. Like it's not a bad standard. Like there's not much difference because. Yeah, there's not much difference, I'd say. Like, obviously, League Two is a big difference, but from like National South Conference, like that league, I, I, I can't imagine there's major difference because it's still a good standard. You've got some a lot of experienced players, like especially at Gosport, we've got a few big, few big players who've played low, like, played for haven't, like when they were sort of in and around the conference and that. So it's good standard. I really do enjoy it down there. But there's nothing like playing men's football. Or, I think everyone. You work. You train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then if you're not got a ninety-minute game three o'clock on a Saturday, it just seems pointless to me. Like, this, I don't see the point. I want to compete. So whether that means I have to go and work hard and play at Gospel on a Saturday and wait for my time at Pompey, I'm more than happy to do that as long as I'm playing games and developing myself. Because at the end of the day, at my age, that's all I need to be doing. I need to be. I can't really be stagnating right now. I need to be playing games and developing and developing. And, and then how... hopefully... Yeah, no, carry on. Right. Okay, no, 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 um... just saying, no, hopefully, like, when my time comes, I should be ready. How does the, like, the feedback system work, like, in terms of the club you're loaned to feeding back to Pompey? Do you have someone from Pompey coming down and watching every couple of games? Or is there, like, every single game you've got the same person feeding back to the club? Like, what's the deal with it? So... Mark Kelly is obviously sort of like the loan manager. He'll come to, he's to be fair, he's come to like every single game since I've been, every home game. He'll come to the majority of the games and obviously, I guess he reports to the, the gaffer. I'm, I'm not really had that conversation to be honest with you. I'm not too sure. But if he's not at the games watching us, then our loan manager, Gailey, he'll just he'll just phone Mark on a, on a Sunday night or Monday morning and just let us know how he got on. And then um, we have to fill in a performance sheet as well on a Monday and say how we think we got and sort of compare opinions. So 
we could be saying we've had an absolute world in the game and their gaffers <laughs> thinking, Jesus Christ, he is horrific. So, do, you, um, do you have a bit of banter with the lads down there? Because you're down there with like Taggart and stuff. Do you have a bit of banter on performances then? Yeah, no, no, it's good. Like their their group of sign players, anyway. They're sort of they're really like made us feel really welcome. Like you're sort of part of that team. So the banter's good down there, anyway. Especially with the Morris boys. I tell you what, they can they give some stick to like they they get some stick because they're obviously their accents and that's just soft banter. But they give it out. So like, they're good lads. It's good down at Gosport because I, I spoke to a few boys like mates I've got other clubs and they've been out on loan and sort of loan teams I don't know don't take well to loan players coming in sort of turn their backs on them think yeah they're not really part but at Gosport they've been brilliant they're a good group of lads sort of one big big group there it's, it's really decent yeah that's sweet I like to hear that. I suppose it's not far either, so that's good for the commute. It's right? sound, yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. Yeah. Um, where, where do you feel you strengthened your game, mate? Um, at the moment, where do you where do you feel your strengths are anyway as a defender? Uh, and what what are you working on to sort of improve on? Um, you know what? It's a funny question because people ask me this all the time, and they sort of. So, I'm probably one of the worst defenders you've ever seen. Like defender, defenders, not worst you've ever seen. I'll say that. Like hard, start, like, isn't it? No, it's not. When people say, what's your strength for your game? My, I'm, I'm, I'm very much an attacking fullback. So it's all about, to, to a certain extent, it's about getting forward, overlapping, up and down, crosses into the box. But to a certain extent now, it's become a, where I've really had to start nailing on my defending now, which is something that I'm working quite hard at, which probably a long time coming, but... I'm probably that's my strengths are going forward and offering that, which which is good. But to a certain extent now, I'm I'm starting to graft a lot harder on my defending and my heading, my one v ones, my positioning, which is which is good, which I'm working hard on. I'd say the attacking so, bit of the game is the hard bit, mate. Is to have that natural talent to go forward to overlap and you know be quick enough naturally and also have a yeah. good degree. I think you can work on the other stuff, mate. Is yeah, no, definitely. People said that about Adam Webster, didn't they, when he was at Pompey, that he's yeah. really, really good going forward and then a little bit suspect defensively, but it's worked out all right for him. So, yeah, considering if I can be like that in a few years, then I wouldn't be complaining. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, mine's, I'd say that I'm, I'm re- really good going forward. Like, that's what I enjoy doing, but I, I also, I'm starting to enjoy my defending as well and that sort of 1v1 battle against the left winger I'm really starting to enjoy as well which which is good which has been a long time coming because I've had coaches tell me this blah you need to be better you're defending blah 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 but it's never I don't know it's never sort of settled in but it's got to the point now especially this season where I thought right this is because not being funny on the Saturday if, if, the, if the gaffer wanted me or blah blah he's going to take a defender like do you know what I mean he he needs to know that you're going to give him a clean sheet before you go and set up a goal so if I can if if I know I can be assured defensively then I'm happy because I know what I can offer differently to the other full backs going forward Do you honestly like, you, you hear some people say that or some defenders say that they get as much pleasure out of like a tackle that potentially saves a goal as much as they would from an assist do you find that's mm. honestly true or do you actually get honestly get a bit more of a buzz from attacking stuff I, I, do you know what like I generally do like I couldn't lie because 
defend a lot of defenders give it. Oh yeah, love defending, put my body on. I, I'm generally I never I never used to. I, I'm not gonna lie, but I've started to really enjoy it now. But tell you what, putting putting the ball on someone's head and that going in the back in there is a good feeling. It's a good feeling to be fair, but I I couldn't really compare. But I'm starting to really enjoy my defending. I know it's 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 my main priority really is being a defender that's what my first job is so as long as I can nail that down keep getting better at that and especially at Gosport they're really helping me with that got two good coaches over there like I said Scott who helped me when I was younger and then Sean who's the gaffer they're really sort of working hard for me so if I can nail that down I'm I'm feeling confident so like from a fan point of view let's switch off from from you being a player from a yeah. fan point of view of Pompey, what have you thought of the season so far and what are your, your predictions for the next few months? It started off like, because obviously I spent all of pre-season with them. I expected a quicker start, like I'm not going to lie, because they were like good good performances during pre-season. Obviously the team changes, new players come in, it's, it's, it's weird. It wasn't the best start, not being funny, it, as a fan, like you say, Port- Portsmouth Football Club should not be in League One. The, the size of the club, it, it shouldn't be in League One and for whatever reason, still sitting down it. But it is what it is. But uh, I, I, think we'll, I think we'll win the league. I've just got a feeling uh-huh. we're going to... I think we'll win the league, yeah. I was talking about it to my dad earlier. I just, I can just see us. I think you look at other teams in the league and there's some good size in there. You've got Hull, Peterborough, but... When I look at our, our squad on paper, I, I do think we are very strong, very strong. Like You've got John, obviously, who's absolute scoring fun at the moment, but the second he takes a knock or something like that, you've got Ellis, who's obviously a championship-proven striker, who can just come in and fill in that. It's just it's strong all round. I, I generally think we'll be contenders for the, for the title on a... Fucking hope it's not playoffs again because we're not really good at that, are we? <laughs> Bloody Sunderland again, mate. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, I can't stand them. <laughs> I think the feeling's mutual, mate, from people line up there doing Honestly, media stuff. Yeah, it does my head in last two years, but it's, it's frustrating because I don't know when you're obviously in and around them every day, especially for the Sunderland playoffs a few years ago. That was frustrating because. I trained. I trained with them every day for like two weeks leading up to the game, and I, boys were on fire. So you're thinking that we're going to win this, and also you lose. So as a fan, you're absolutely like you, you, you're gutted, but you're fuming as well because you just it's a natural instinct. But then as a player, you're there with them the next day when obviously they're gutted as well. So I always used to find the balance quite difficult. Yeah. So obviously, I'm looking at them and thinking, "Fucking hell!" Like should have just been fighting. <laughs> but then on the other hand, it's it's tough. You know, they're playing in that game. It's it's a tough balance, but this year I'll definitely think, I think the squad's strong. I think, especially if you can keep Marcus Harness fit, I think. He's dynamite. I'm the best player I've ever played with. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. His feet, mate, he's got quick feet, isn't he? The ball seems to stick to him. It's just that change, that sort of like change of direction. That three of him, Andy and Ronan, that's, Tell you what, there's not many, and then you've got obviously Ryan in there as well. Uh, good, good free, especially in training. I tell you what, you ask any of the boys, like especially the young boys, when you go and train, like if you ever go train with them, 
Marcus or Andy, you want them on your team, hundred percent. Um, like great, like filth. That's it, top, mate. Top players. That's it. Love that, mate. Um, mate, cheers for coming on the podcast, Harry, mate. You've been a proper legend. Thanks for having me, lads. No, yeah, mate. great, mate. And I'm sure all the listeners will, will really enjoy listening to this, mate. So yeah, take care. And I'm, I'm sure we'll see you come on in and play in the match squad soon, mate, and get get a first team debut. That's what we want to see, innit? Oh, I'd love it. I really hope so. All right, cheers, Harry, mate. Cheers, lads. See you later. Thanks, dude. Bye-bye. Oh, Harry, this podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Thanks again, Harry, for coming on the podcast. That was a proper blast, wasn't it, Andy? I had a bright laugh um, chatting to Harry there. He's obviously a, a confident young lad who, who knows what he wants. And um, yeah, it was great to chat to him. Yeah, absolutely. I obviously enjoying getting some senior football under his belt and um, hopefully we'll see him break into the first team squad the same way that Hajim Naga has over the last uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah, and it's great to see Pompey actually developing some of these young players properly and hopefully we'll see them get some starting um, appearances in the first team. But let's move on, Andy, because we have got to tell the listeners and give them the lowdown on the Cholton game. Cholton are a very good team. Let's not, let's not muck around. In fact, I think they're the best team that Pompey will have faced so far this season. Obviously, we've got them at Fratton Park. Before you might have wondered about our home form, but after the 4 0 win against Northampton, you know, um, hopefully we can see Pompey come again. But let's have a quick look at them because Cholton, despite the some of fans might be thinking about the financial difficulties they've been in and you know, has the squad been affected by it? No, is my is the short answer to that, because they've got bags of ability across the squad. Um, a very good manager in Lee Bowyer as well, who sets his teams up to attack properly. Probably fans will remember when, when Cholton were in League One. Um, they're a very passing-based team, effective at it, getting forward. And they've only added to that, really, with the attacking players they've added. So, you know, at the front there, they've added Connor Washington in from Hearts. Great signing. Half a million pounds, roughly, they spent on him this season. I remember he went to QPR for three million before in 2015-16. So you can see the sort of pedigree he brings. Two goals already in the new team, playing up, up front in the uh, 4-3-3. I mean, they've got players like, they've got Omar Bogle starting up front for them. You know, decent player, depending on what Pompey fans think of it. But as well as that, you know, they can bring Chucks and Neke off the bench. Another great striker for them. I know Pompey were interested in him as well. He was came from MK Don. So, you know, they thought it was good enough to go straight up to the championship. So that, that, really, that really shows what they think of him as well. Andy, what are your thoughts on Charlton and how they play? And yeah, give us the lowdown from your opinion. Yeah, I think, well, we always talk about looking at a team on paper, don't we? And we always say that we'd prefer to have the Pompey team on paper. And I'm still, I'm going to stick with that on this occasion, but it's a hell of a lot closer than normal. Um, yeah, you look at some of the names that jump out. Uh, I'm a Welsh fan uh, for my sins, um, thanks to my father. So the names that jump out at me would be someone like, you know, Chris Gunter and Johnny Williams, both of whom are now with Charlton. So Chris, uh, Chris Gunter is the Welsh uh, record cap holder. And Johnny Williams is obviously an extremely good player. Uh, he's been at quite a number of clubs now and is, has demonstrated that he can be a match, you know, a game changer um, with individual moments of brilliance, which is what you need in League One. Yeah, looking forward, as you've already mentioned, Connor Washington. They've brought in Marcus Madison as well um, on a, on a one-year de- one deal with an option to extend. 
Um, he's coming back from a, an ankle injury just in time for this game by the looks of it. So I think he came on as a, a brief sub in their, their last outing. Um, and so we, you'd expect to either see him on the bench coming on for a longer period of time in this one or starting depending on his on his ankle. Um, but yeah, on on paper there, serious you know some serious names on there for League One. Um, yeah, in terms of form, they've got they've won four on the bounce. Sort of coming into this game next to us at the top of the form table, it's going to be a big test, right? We're going to learn a lot from this game and from the Lincoln game afterwards. The next week or so is going to give us a lot of information around the about the uh, yeah the next few months in the season. Um, I do rate Lee Bowyer as a manager. I, I think he's a shit bloke, but I think he's an extremely good manager. Um, it's always fun having him and Joey Barton in the same the same league on the same touchline. I might watch Charlton Fleetwood when it happens just for the touchline stuff. But um, yeah, they're one of those teams that they pose big threats going forward. Um, we're going to see them line up in probably in a 4-3-3. Um, but as I, you're probably about to mention, they've got options with their formation as well. So... Um, depending on their opposition, they're, they're going to line up as a four-three-three, potentially a sort of an altered four-four-two, sort of a four-three-one-two with a, with a Cam, who last time out they played that formation was John was uh, yeah Johnny Williams. So not entirely sure what we're lining up against. Could be four-four-two against four-four-two. Could be four-four-two against sort of a four-three-one-two. I think what we'll say is, if they go with the four-three-three, and and just put it out there, we're having this discussion. But Cholton fans also aren't quite sure what formations they're playing as well. So I think as Lee Bowyer works out with his squad the best way of playing them, and they're playing well. They've won four in a row. They drew the game before that, so that's five unbeaten. But if you look at how they line up, if they play the four-three-three, they will try and get the ball wide. They are very good on the counter attack. They're fast. They will get the ball forward rapidly on the counter. Um, but in possession, usually they'll they'll pass the ball around and do build up play as well. But if you've got a four three three, they'll try and do that. Whilst if they do play the, um, I'm going to call it the four four two diamond, effectively the old AC Milan formation, they'll they'll try and get the ball and shift it through the middle as well, uh, get it to the cam, um, which could be Sammy, Sammy Schmodix, as you already said. And then they've got two strikers up top in that case, and they've got a list of good strikers there. So. That could be Washington Bogle. That could be um, Chucks and Neke Bogle. I doubt that those two will play together. I think they'll play Washington uh, with one of the other of those two players purely on the basis of the style of football they play. But Andy, let's get into it, mate, because we've got we've had a lot to, uh, to cover on this podcast. And uh, let's round it off with a little score prediction. Andy, I'll let you go first. Um, see, we did this off air and I said I'd be happy with a point. And I would be, I, I guess. But looking at the way we line up and the way we play... The last time they dropped points was nil-nil with Sunderland. And all season, Sunderland have been playing that really high press and putting pressure on the opposition's uh, defending team playing the ball out. So, and that's pretty similar to what we've been doing. And it's what we did against Sunderland and did it better than them, which is, as we'll probably, uh, it's it's one of the reasons we won that game. Um, So I'd imagine we're going to play with a similar sort of like a similar approach to how Sunderland did and Sunderland reduced them like the entire 90 minutes Charlton didn't have a shot on target so I'd be happy with the point but based on that's pretty tenuous logic I've just outlined I'm going to go with the 2-1 win but um, I think we'll get something from the game and I think it'll be a really good result if we do I'm also going to go with the 2-1 win 
bit Doc. of unity over there, a bit of unity over there, Andy. But I think I think the reasons that you put outlined there is pretty is pretty good. And let's keep the scoring going. Let's have a, a John Marcus and a Marcus Harness goal apiece. Um, you know, why not? They could even assist on the goals together. The dynamic duo of League One. Let's keep it going. I think Charlton probably will score with the attacking impetus they've got up front as well. But I reckon we'll get a last minute winner. 2-1 Pompey. Let's get four games in a row. Love it. All yeah. right. Um, thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, Player Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.